Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File, your weekly show inspiring you to lead for Christ wherever you are. I'm Andy Peck, your host, thanking you for joining us. And whether you're listening live or one of the many thousands who listen via podcast, it's great to have you along. If you're new to the show, a reminder that the show is available on demand via premierradio.com or via iTunes or Podbean. My aim with the shows is to provide knowledge, skills and attitudes for a Christian to lead so that God's work is advanced. So do continue to join us and God helping us, we will flourish in his ways. And so to this week, we've uh, featured church planting on the leadership farm many times. It's a classic theme for Christians in leadership, featuring the need for vision and strategy and adjusting as time progresses. Well, this week, we're looking especially at strategy through the eyes of a man who's been church planting for over 25 years in the UK, in the Birmingham area, having come here from time serving in his homeland, the United States. He's made uh, some adjustments along the way, and as well as church planting, he's also involved in training others through the Forge Network and is leader of the Birmingham Hub. He's leader of Companions for Hope, a a new missional community started in the inner city of Birmingham. So, Tim, welcome to Leadership File. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks thanks for the opportunity to talk about our experience. Well, thank you. Uh, we, We first met 25 years ago when you were exploring church planting that sought to use some of the approaches of the Seeker Church movement, including Willow Creek and Saddleback in the U.S. Had you experienced that approach in the U.S., and that, had that interested you particularly? Uh, I wouldn't say I had experienced it in the States. Uh, we, we obviously knew of it because of the um, popularity and uh, people uh, following the whole process of Willow Creek and uh, the growth of its Willow Creek Association and the leadership kind of things that they were doing. But uh, my initial um, experience with church planting was simply being in a relatively new church that had been planted in Virginia uh, prior to moving to England. But to say that we had both a vast understanding of seeker-sensitive churches or a vast understanding of church planting when we came to the UK would be a really an overstatement. Uh, we were we were new and green in many ways when we first came to the UK. We'd, we'd had previous cross-cultural experience but in terms of coming into England with that kind of background of both seeker church and church planting, we, we were green. Okay. And you came with a, a, a kind of mission grouping? Yeah. So we came uh, at the invitation of a network of churches called the Fellowship of Churches of Christ based in Birmingham, a historical group of churches from the early 1800s in the UK uh, with sister churches in the United States uh, loosely called the Christian Churches, uh, Churches of Christ, independent um, evangelical churches. And uh, that network of churches invited our mission organization, CMF International, to recruit people that would come and help plant churches uh, and be focused on planting churches. And uh, you'll recall, Andy, we've, we first met because uh, uh, Martin Robinson, one of our friends, uh, brought your name up because the, the original idea was that we would be partnered with a British church planter uh, to plant. And uh, for a variety of different reasons in the culture and context of the time, there wasn't a British church planter available from the fellowship. So we we started casting abroad, trying to find a couple or individual who had similar passions to, to partner up with. And uh, you were one of the names that, that we first explored with. And then you, 
you rejected us and we're still trying to overcome that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't remember it exactly that way, but anyway, I, no. <laughs> I, I did end, I ended up in Southampton uh, working uh, in, a, yeah. in, a, in a church plant there. So there we go. Yeah. Um, the, um, I mean, so, so when we came to England in 1984, uh, arriving on the 1st of April, 1994, which is kind of an auspicious day, we, we didn't have, as I said, much experience. Uh, and in the end, and looking for somebody to partner with us, uh, that just didn't work. So we had to get on uh, with the job, so to speak. And a lot of what we're trying to do is try, trying to figure out English culture, trying to figure out how, th- how we brought our American culture into uh, our approach and trying to temper that and see what was appropriate, uh, what we could use to our advantage. But it, it took a while, really, to find our feet. Yeah, they say England and America are two countries separated by a common language, aren't they? Don't they? And you know, manifestly, yeah. there is you know, there's some aspects that you kind of get, and some aspects that we can't you know quite figure out about the states, etc. And and I'm sure you found that about the UK. Yeah, and in in terms of a relationship, the whole secret sensitive thing, really, what we were trying to do to begin with was establish meaningful relationships in the community whether that was through uh, the local infant school or junior school uh, or uh, parent association activities and, and so on. Um, things like ice hockey, which I started playing uh, recreationally after we got after we moved here as a way of uh, building those relationships. But uh, on the other hand, it was also trying to develop an identity, a ministry identity, if you will. Actually, the very first thing we did to try to engage with the local community after parent association and um, children being in school, getting on moms and dads and families, was to start a holiday club, which we got advice on to try and put it together in such a way that it wasn't churchy. In fact, uh, we used the Newshounds theme, which would have been developed in the UK at, in the early 90s as a theme, and we modified it. So, And we never called it a holiday Bible club. We always called it a holiday club in order to focus on the uh, journalistic themes and, and people, people responded to that. So uh, the ho- early holiday clubs you had were uh, well attended from the local, local schools. Right. And uh, as you reflect back you know, 25 years or so and, and the, some of the things you've done, what were the, what were the key learnings you, uh, you put in, you know, you, you have in your mind and heart that you now pass on in, in your training in church planting? Well, certainly one is uh, to help people understand their context. And it, it it's always amazing to me that uh, a person who lives in their own community should be an expert on their own context, but they that's not necessarily the case. There's things about their context they'll know, but the context is much richer and diverse in most places than a person, uh, a church planter or a church leader realizes uh, I think leaders tend to get focused on uh, an aspect of their community without understanding the wider community. So certainly one of the things is we help people think more deeply about their context. And, and while that includes both the local, that's also the the cultural. Right. And you, you spent 20 or so years in the same part of Birmingham? We were 21 years in Shirley, uh, in Solihull, which is on the south uh, east side of Birmingham. Uh, Silhillians would say they're not actually part of Birmingham, but it's certainly part of the conservation. Right. Uh, and uh, the, the first, 
our first efforts uh, and focus were on our local neighborhood. Uh, but then we became aware of a new build area called Dickens Heath, and we started to develop connections with that new build area because it, been, it was advertised as a as a, a village for the 21st century. And at the early mock-ups in the free papers showed a church steeple as part of that. Okay. And so, so we took some initiative with the local churches and ministers to say, well, is anybody doing with that? And in the end... Uh, we ended up partnering with a couple of local Baptist churches uh, to actually begin to focus in Dickens Heath. Right, right, okay. And and when and then, you... and then, I, then I should say after that, so we we actually started that around um, in terms of Dickens Heath around ninety nine, late ninety eight, ninety nine. In fact, we we had a first holiday club on what would become the Village Green in the summer of ninety nine, and uh, developed a couple of cell groups that met. Uh, in the new build area, but we publicly launched Dickensee Village Church in September of 2002 in terms of worship services. Right, right. And when you think about strategy, do you do you have in your mind, yeah, this is what we need to do because this is going to you know work spiritually, um, or do you look at the people that you're working with and ask what gifts they have, or is it a mixture of the two? Um, you know, how do you when you have a blank sheet of paper in terms of church planting? What are the kind of factors that you're um, feeding into that? So, yeah, this is this probably is where it's good to think a bit more about our history. So, we finished our role in planting Dickensee Church in 2006, and colleagues uh, stayed with the church till 2008. Uh, in 2006, 2007, we were back in the states for a year and. And one of the things we experienced there was um, how American culture had changed since we'd uh, come to England in early 94. And that cultural change uh, was pretty profound in terms of hospitality, in terms of um, relationships and how people connected, uh, the the rise of post-modernity, uh, the bit of contrast with post-Christendom here in Europe compared to America and uh, increasing that. So so when we came back to England uh, to think about our next church plant and thought about what we'd done with Dickensee Church, one of the things that we said to ourselves in terms of pioneer situation is that the amount of work that went into planting this church, which may or may not, or at least that point, wasn't looking to plant another church and wasn't reproducible in a, in a sense of any kind of uh, movement, uh, that's how we then started experimenting with a simple form of church called the Third Place, which primarily met in our home. But we were trying to we we're trying to figure out some things in regard to disciple making and reproducibility uh, that that we couldn't do in Dickensee Church. So the the kind of change in thinking from a more traditional church plant, uh, which most people think about. Um, in the last 25 years of, of gathering a crowd of people, in a sense, uh, that you then start discipling, maybe, uh, to actually thinking, what happens if we start with discipling or making disciples first, even before a person decides to follow Jesus? So that that really changes the approach, uh, because you're not you're not thinking about um, necessarily a large group of people being gathered into place for a worship event, you're actually thinking more organically and uh, in an integrated fashion 
of relationships and finding uh, men and women, young people of peace that you can develop those relationships and begin to influence and, um, and, fi- and finding ways then, if you're talking about strategy, of getting them to look in the Bible, to discover uh, truth, uh, and to learn to rely on the, the Holy Spirit uh, speaking through Scripture in ways that they hadn't previously. And uh, it's, it's a much more intensive or relationally focused approach rather than what one of my friends would call a functional, maybe even consumeristic approach. Right, right. Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm talking this week with uh, Tim Aho. Tim is uh, from the United States, originally comes to the UK and has been uh, church planting for over 25 years. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Tim Aho. Tim is uh, in the UK as a, a church planter from the United States, so the exact exactly how that church planting is done and how that's uh, adjusted is something we're looking at, particularly uh, during this uh, conversation. Uh, he's now leader of Companions for Hope, a new missional community started in the inner city of, of Birmingham. So so really, you're, Tim, you were saying before the break, you've got a very different mindset with respect to the, the classic church plants. And um, and I guess that that changes the way you're relating to people a little bit, does it? You're not kind of, you know, you're not befriending people in order to bring them to something, but actually you're seeking to relate to people where they are and then seeing what God does within that context. Is that Would that be a summary? Uh, yeah, so there's a couple of missional kinds of principles here that I think are really important. So, so one of the things we would say is that um, uh, rather than us inventing things to do on behalf of God, uh, we're looking at communities and trying to discern where God is at work already and join him. Right, right. That that means that we don't have to come up with all these um, innovative ideas of what to do in a community. That actually we can bring uh, incarnationally uh, the kingdom of heaven uh, into a place and into sets of relationships because uh, we have the mark of Jesus on us. We are followers of Jesus, and so that means I don't have to come up with a bunch of new things. Uh, it's it's incumbent on us to uh, this would be true for all of us as companions for hope as well. It's in, incumbent on us to find where God is at work in the community and join Him, and that would also mean that we're trying to help people discern God's voice and do what He asks, and uh, that that is the prime discipleship directive, I suppose, if you want to put it that way. Uh, it, it's. It's not imposing on people what we think they ought to do, because we, at the end of the day, Jesus is the one that knows their context and their relationships and uh, their uh, their sin, uh, their brokenness, and where they need to place their hope. So, obviously, we're coming alongside and we're calling them into relationship with Jesus, but we're not the um, we don't want to be the the expert, so to speak, on and have people relying on us, we want them to be rely, rely on Jesus. Right, right. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, yeah. A, a little like, um, I remember interviewing uh, Floyd Schneider, who who used uh, he used to go through the Gospel of John with people, so he was reading it, um, it was in Germany and Austria, particularly church planting. And, and that 
people were getting to know God through the scriptures rather than through him as a missionary. And, yeah. and you know, and, and yeah. he, he would say around about chapter seven or eight, people were coming to faith. Yeah. Well, he didn't need to say to them, now you need to read your Bible because that's exactly what they were doing. Exactly. That's how they come to faith. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so um, I say, you know, calling me the leader of Companions for Hope is too strong. There's sure. actually um, a leadership team of us, but but we come with a similar ethos. And there, there's there's a dozen, 14 of us uh, with different uh, church backgrounds, but with an intentionality mm. of being in this place, in this community. And uh, we have started some new things. So we, we have a couple things like um, Neighbor Nights for so the first Wednesday of every month, we just gather people from the neighborhood. Uh, we partner with uh, the local residents association, Real Junk Food Project Birmingham, and uh, the local parish church uh, to use their hall. And we have 50, 60 people come on a, the first Wednesday of the month from the from the neighborhood. Oh. And uh, that that's not a place where uh, uh, we're quote unquote preaching the gospel, um, but we are certainly being. Uh, representatives of the kingdom and the way we carry ourselves and and the way we uh, talk to people but even in that setting uh and the others we come alongside like a place of welcome uh some field sessions which we started which is a kind of open mic night in that same that same building uh, we have loads of opportunities where we're praying for people so uh you know, I, I can't name names or of even some of the ethnicities because of some of the sensitivities. But, mm. but we're, we're regularly praying for people, and they come to us and say, "Would you pray about this? Would you pray about um, this situation?" And um, and you know, people of different ethnicities, different uh, religious or non-religious backgrounds, uh, are saying, "You know, there's there's something different about these folks." Yeah. Now, in terms of the discipleship process. It's still really early, and hmm. you know, you'll probably know, and some, your listeners know something about Engel scale and yeah. um, some of the other kinds of uh, historical um, evaluative kinds of graphs that can be used to think about this. But you know, we're we're really intentional, and that's that's why we call ourselves a missional community in some ways, rather than church. Um, one, if we use the word church, some more traditional churches might find that threatening. But missional community means that we have an intentionality of, bring, of bringing the good news, but also being the good news in the place yeah. uh, that, um, you know, sometimes churches just don't have. Yeah, sure. And, and Tim, what were the things you had to give up in order to have this new approach? Were, there, were you conscious that, you know, there were approaches that you'd had that you just needed to discard or reevaluate in a big way? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, I, I think, um, as a person who is pretty left brained, thinks in systems, thinks in, um, excuse me, organization and so on, I've had to give some of that up Yeah, yeah. and be more organic. You know, I, I'm a focused person when I work on a project. I just want to devote time and attention to that without mm. being interrupted and being interrupted by people <laughs> yes. is the worst thing. Sure. And yet, you know, Jesus being interrupted by people all the time and increasingly I've got to say, okay, mm. you know, this is, this is not about my agenda. So 
you know, in terms of personal, it's, it's being willing to be interrupted, mm. uh, even if that's not my uh, most favorite thing when I'm focused on a project. But in terms of, um, I, I suppose I've given up the traditional approach personally to church planting. Mm. And the, it's not that uh, I don't believe in that. Uh, I, I still think there's a place for it. So when, when Graham Craig talks in the Mission Shape Report about mixed economy, uh, when others talk about church planting in more, uh, in terms of a kind of a brand, uh, I'm still I'm still okay with that. But in terms of where I want to put my time and energy, uh, I think the counterintuitive of uh, going slow to go fast uh, is where I want to put my time and energy. So uh, I, I've got you know well over a dozen. Uh, different kinds of discipling relationships, some more intense, uh, some less intense, where I'm regularly uh, providing a, a forms of coaching or mentoring. So that's that's both with uh, some of the youth, uh, which are who are now young adults from the days of planting Dickensheath Church, way back when. Uh, so, for instance, next month we've got about 15 of us on a weekend away. Our second that uh, we're having, the first was early last year where we're just spending time with these young adults from those days and pouring time and energy into them and helping them think about where Jesus is active in their lives and what it means to actually be responsive to him in the context of their relationships. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, uh, uh, I, you know, being a pioneer in whatever fashion that is, it, it, it it's not easy. It takes a lot of energy in terms of, planting a worship event or maybe more accurately a, a worship community where discipleship is a little less important, but the worship service is more important. Uh, I, I've, I've certainly given that up for me. Yeah, sure. Well, just as we close, um, Tim, you, you, uh, what you do stuff with Forge England and Wales, um, your uh, leader of the Birmingham Hub. How could listeners discover more, particularly, obviously, if they're in the Birmingham area or in the middle yeah, of Yeah, so uh, the national director of Forge is a, um, a friend of ours, Trevor Hutton, who uh, is up in Manchester. Uh, and so there's actually there's Forge hubs all over the country. And uh, the one in Birmingham, uh, we're in our third year. So we just had our second weekend of three weekends uh, this past weekend. Uh, Forge is built around three intensive weekends where missional practitioners provide all the content and we both bring in somebody who's um, uh, doing something creative in their community uh, to inspire missional imagination, but we also go off uh, the training site to somebody's location to see it in context of what they're doing. Uh, and then around that, uh, really, really important are five coaching sessions so that each individual or couple can be coached in, in implementing at least one thing from a weekend uh, into their local context. And, and some of that is just maybe exploring the local context and getting known in ways that they, they hadn't known before. But but it's it's for people already in place or have a placement, uh, if, if you understand what I mean. So we're not asking anybody to move from where they are. Sure. Uh, it's about helping them develop in their leadership, but providing an outside set of eyes uh, mm-hmm. to question, um, to provide questions, ask the right questions about their, their situation. So mm-hmm. uh, people can uh, look on Facebook for Forge England and Wales, 
they can email me at timothy.c.aho at gmail.com. If they're another location of the country, then I can they can still email me and I'll forward uh, their details on to Trevor, uh, and he can be in contact with them for the other locations. Fab- fabulous, Tim. So thank you so much. And uh, just to you know, underline your surname is A H O. So um, if people yes, were... pronounced Aho. Aho. Okay. Sorry if I've mis- mispronounced it at any point. Ninety nine percent of the time, people mispronounce uh, it. But... Uh, there we go. Bless <laughs> That's you. okay. Well, we're we're really appreciative of your insight and 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 of you know your service for the UK and for these uh, many years. So bless you. Yeah, thank you, Andy. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's a pleasure and privilege to be in this country and, and to be a British citizen as well as an American citizen. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. OK. Well, this is, Thanks, Andy, Andy. This is Andy Peck thanking you for joining us. Uh, check out the podcast online on Premier Radio, uh, iTunes or Podbean. And may God help you as you seek to lead in his name. And as we close the words of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian Church, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 